there are events that test our mettle and our resolve. As we move through this crisis, how are we coping, adapting, fighting on? Join us for local stories of perseverance, creativity, and contributing to community as we showcase Detroit area leaders who share their thoughts and stories and discuss how they and their organizations are managing adversity and serving others. Welcome to Michigan Motors Forward and Metro Detroiters who are pivoting, evolving, and moving ahead. Welcome to Michigan Motors Forward. I'm John Gay. For 40 years, Care House of Oakland County has been looking out for some of the most vulnerable members of our population, kids in bad situations. There is no business as usual when it comes to the work this organization does, but like all of us, they've had to adapt to the pandemic. With me today is Blythe Tyler, CEO of Care House Oakland County. Welcome, Blythe. Thank you, John. Appreciate you having me today. So before we get to how your organization has pivoted, it might be helpful to have kind of a starting point. What types of services did CareHouse offer pre-COVID-19? So, John, we are actually the Child Advocacy Center for Oakland County. What that really means is that we see victims of child abuse, mostly child sexual abuse, each and every year. Mm -hmm. And we do forensic interviews in combination and partnership with the prosecutor's office for Oakland County, as well as local law enforcement to help them in the investigation of alleged crimes against children. We've done that work for, like you said, more than 40 years, and child advocacy centers exist throughout the country and throughout Michigan. CareHouse here in Oakland County is the largest single child advocacy center in the state. We see, again, like I said, more than a 1,000 children every year. We also provide therapy to those kids and their families at no cost to them. So we don't take insurance. We don't worry about billing the families or the kids for any of the services we provide. And we're very, very blessed to be able to do that in the community in partnership with a lot of local foundations and individual supporters. So part of the organization, in addition to what you take care of on the legal side for Oakland County and the prosecutors and, and having to delve into these just awful, awful crimes is, like you said, the therapy that you offer to these kids that have been victims. And obviously, we've got social distancing now. How has CareHouse begun to pivot in terms of what you're offering those kids when you can't be sitting in a room with them necessarily. Right. It's amazing. I was just talking to someone this morning, actually, and acknowledging the fact that a lot of this technology, as I sit in my home, and I'm sure you sit in yours, and we Mm -hmm. do this podcast, is that this technology has existed for a number of years, yet we haven't used it to its full potential. And so, We're happy to be able to report that we're continuing to do therapy with our children and their families via telehealth. Mm -hmm. So using, you know, a secure site to be able to do that work and meet with them on video and via phone. In addition, we're continuing to do our forensic interviews. So we're really seen as essential workers in this case, we don't want to thwart any investigation or stop that from being pursued. And we're continuing to get reports of child abuse. And so our team is continuing to go into our building and be able to provide those forensic interviews hand in hand with law enforcement and the prosecutor's office, as well as child protective services. 
In looking on your website, the number that really jumped out at me was the statistic that one in 10 kids in Oakland County has been abused. It just seems like a really hard thing to get your head around. It does. It does. When I talk about it and I say that people are just floored that that could possibly happen. And I think the reason is, is that many children grow into adults and never report that they have been abused. The majority of our cases are sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. and that's a very complicated issue. Typically, the abusers are someone that you know and trust in your family. In fact, 90% of them are. And so it's something that's often swept under the rug or not discussed for us. And uh, we see that play out in people over time as they grow into adults. I've talked to many people in my time at Carehouse that have said, I was a victim. I never talked about it. I never told anyone. Wow. We know, in fact, that 62% of children will never report that they have been abused. When you look at our thousand interviews that we do on an annual basis, you realize that if 62% aren't reporting, there are thousands more children out there that will never tell and will never see. It is a very uncomfortable topic for a lot of people, but it is so important, the work that you're doing. And one of the things that I think CareHouse deserves a lot of credit for was as COVID sort of came into our lives and turned our world upside down, rather than just say, okay, we're going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you actually reached out to a lot of the folks that you work with in terms of victims and families and asked, what they need, what you can provide. Can you take us through that a little bit? Sure. Again, you know, I mentioned that we don't charge for our services. And so all of our services are free of charge to the children and families that we see. However, that doesn't mean that abuse, child abuse, sexual abuse, or physical goes hand in hand with poverty or with you know, socioeconomic status or race or ethnicity, mm-hmm. it is across the board. And so we see families that have funds that they could potentially see a different therapist, one that would charge their insurance or charge them individually, but choose to come to us because we specialize in this work. And all of our therapists, all six of them work every day with victims. That being said, we do see a lot of people that have been affected and You know, it's amazing. You could have a great job, right? Be a manager of a chain of restaurants at this point in time and be completely out of work and struggling and not knowing where your next meal might come from or what may happen in the future. So we reached out, like you said, to our families and said, what do you need right now? Because this is just an added stressor on top of all that you're dealing with at this current time. And the response that we received was, we need basic things. We need a Meyer gift card so that we can feed our family this week. Mm. And so we were able to, luckily, call on some of our supporters and be able to provide those needs to our families. In fact, we have more than 60 families right now that we are providing those services to. We also have like a lot of families that have very young children through our Early Head Start program, which is an additional program that we run. And they need things like diapers, wipes, cleaning supplies, things to just keep their household running. Can you speak a little bit to that Early Start program and explain how that works? Yeah. 
Early Head Start is a great program. It's part of the Federal Head Start program Mm -hmm. that many people know about where children who are at risk are able to go to preschool. They also have the Early Head Start, which is birth to age three. Okay. And our team works with 60 families in Oakland County. It's a completely opt-in program. And those children are really at risk. And so we see it as a prevention program. Many of their caregivers have suffered from either substance abuse issues or maybe an incarcerated parent Mm -hmm. or were abused themselves as children. And they want to do better by their kids. There's nobody that says, I don't want my kids to have better than I did growing up. And so those families we see, we visit every week, 90 minutes a week. We have family educators that go into their homes. And since we're not able to do that, again, we're reaching out via video and phone calls. And we're doing a lot of contactless drop-offs of those basic needs that we just spoke about. We also know, though, that many of the reports that we get come from schools, um, from after-school caregivers, Mm. people in the community that may suspect and report abuse. And so those reports are not happening at nearly the rate they would be otherwise because everyone is in their home. And what scares me the most, John, during this time is that I have problems of being cooped up in my house and feeling like I can't go to the store and get groceries sure. whenever I want or stop at Target and you know get a coffee at Starbucks and roam around. That's nothing compared to some of the kids that I know are out there that are in their homes with their abuser potentially and not able to have anyone supporting them at this time. We know those cases and those reports are going to go up dramatically as we start to go back to school or babysitters or summer camp activities. Hopefully we'll be able to do that and those children will get the help that they need. It really is a difficult thing to talk about. It really is, you know, not to use a cliche here, but the definition of first world problems where we think about not being able to go out to eat with our friends and then some of these kids that are trapped at home with an abuser in these awful situations. What resources do you have or what would you tell? And I and I realize that it's a very difficult thing to come forward with, but if you're in a bad situation or know someone that's in a bad situation, while we're all kind of at home right now, what can folks do right now? That's a great question. Since this happened in the shelter in place order, we've been working on making sure that we have resources available on our website, carehouse.org. Our social media is very active, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And so there are resources online to be able to report abuse. You can go just to carehouse.org and right there on the front page is how to report abuse if you suspect it. And resources too. I think for us reaching out to teachers right now that are maybe having some online chats or meets with their students, Mm -hmm. what they can look for. You could also do a um, online training right from our website to look at what to do if you do suspect abuse. It's a 30-minute training, 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how fast you read (laughs) and um, respond to the questions. But you can do that too. And then you know how to report and 
maybe how to recognize some signs and symptoms. I think that's a great resource. In addition to those that are in bad situations or know people in bad situations, a lot of folks, while they're at home right now and they have a little bit more time on their hands, are trying to learn a new skill or learn something different. And whether you know somebody who's in a bad situation or not, the ability to be professionally trained and be able to recognize these types of situations, you can't put a dollar value on that. That's a really great resource that you're offering as well. So credit to you and your organization for that. Thanks. The one other thing that I did want to mention too, John, is that we do have an active blog at CareHouse. Mm -hmm. And again, it can be found on our website. We're doing a series right now called Strong Families. And so for those people that may be struggling a little bit, you know, not necessarily abusing their children or on the verge even, but just there are a lot of added stressors with trying to school your kids at home, make sure your friends and family are safe and sound. If you're struggling because you don't have a paycheck coming in, what do I do? How do I make these decisions? Our Strong Families curricula is available on the blog and it's a five-part series. We're on part number three, so you can find those out and follow that as well. Great activities and just ways to talk to your family and people that support you, your friends, about how to take care of ourselves during this time. We have talked about some pretty awful situations in this episode, Blythe, but I think it's important to mention, like you said, we're all stressed out, especially those that are balancing being a parent, being an employee, if they're working from home, and being an educator and helping out with their kids' school, and just being in the home all day when you're not used to it. It is a very stressful situation, and that's a great resource just to be able to think about how to cope with this. I don't want to be insensitive given what we're discussing today, but in some ways, we all are going through this collective trauma. Can we call it a trauma? It is. It is traumatic, for sure. With all of this that we're going through, being able to know how to understand what's going on and cope with what we're dealing with right now with COVID-19 and stay-at-home orders and financial stress and emotional stress, it really is a great resource. Blythe, your organization is really doing amazing work in all facets, whether it's, like we said, the legal stuff, but also helping out those that are in need and offering programs for these kids. If somebody wants to donate or help in some way, they're listening to this and they really want to help out kids in Oakland County that are struggling in many ways more so than the adults are as we go through this, what are the best ways that they can help out with CareHouse? They can go directly to our website at carehouse.org and donate there. There is a spot for comments. And so if you want your donation to go directly to emergency needs, all you need to do is say that and we'll be happy to do so. Blythe Tyler, CEO of CareHouse in Oakland County, thank you so much for your time today. And more importantly, thank you so much for everything that CareHouse is doing. I love how you've been able to adapt to telehealth and provide so many resources for those that really need it during this difficult time. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate your time as well. Michigan Motors Forward is produced by Jag and Detroit Podcasts in partnership with Tanner Friedman Strategic Communications. Subscribe for free on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are found.